maturity, greater belonging into the body and into the family. And so these three primary methods are gather, grow, and go. This becomes our emphasis as a church, as we gather weekly in our, in our worship gatherings, we talked last week about the, the public context of worship and what it means to gather. And so we come together every Sunday for, for inspiration, uh, being inspired by Jesus. We come together for or a sense of momentum, that, that we're a part of something bigger, that, that we're part of the kingdom of God and God is up to something. And we, we gather together for preaching from the word, a time for us to, to look at what Jesus is saying to us, listen to what God is saying, and be obedient to what he's calling us to. We ask the question, God, what are you saying and what are we going to do about it? And so for us to get the most out of these worship gatherings, these assemblies, we, we need to do three things. We need to commit to being here, that it's important for the whole body to show up, that if, if part of the body is gone, if part of the body is missing, then the rest of us are missing out. Something's not functioning correctly if a body part decides not to show up. Or we looked at the analogy of fire, where you, where you have coals that are hot, and they stay hot when they're together, but if they're spread out and not together, then they lose their heat. They lose their energy, and so we need to commit to being here. We also need to come prepared. That as we look at what our gatherings are, it is an overflow of what God is doing in our own lives. That what, what we have been going through with God over the course of the week will come into this place and will overflow into the gathering together. And so if we have been in prayer, if we have been listening to God, if we have been encountering him through the week, then we come together ready to worship. We come with a sense of expectancy. And then third, we need to invite others to join us. And so we have invite cards out in the foyer as, as an opportunity, as, as a tool for us to be inviting others to be in this gathering with us. It's not a private party. It is a public gathering that we invite others to join us in. So that is a, re a re review from last week for gather. Uh, next week we'll talk about go, which is, is our emphasis on moving out into the community to make a difference. How can we beyond, go beyond our walls and be externally focused? So we'll spend time next week talking about that. But today we focus in on grow. That as, as a spiritual family, we come together and we grow in smaller gatherings in life groups. And life groups are these, these small gatherings, sometimes they're called small groups, that are typically taking place in homes, sometimes here at the building, and they include members from this larger gathering uh, and include others that may not be a part of this gathering. But it brings us together for the opportunity to be in closer relationship with one another to ask questions like, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? And so as we begin this conversation about growing in life groups, uh, we have this short promotional video that we want to show you about the importance of groups. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. 
You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at Shallow Small Group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term, unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth? Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man, how's it going? That's good. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? Uh, that's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. Who wants cake? <laughs> and there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy, and we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial. But hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group. Because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us? So obviously not exactly what we're going for. Hopefully that wasn't an anecdote of, of some of your experiences within groups, and unfortunately maybe, maybe we have had a few of those group experiences, uh, but we are looking for an opportunity to go deeper and not drown, to not be superficial, to be authentic, to, to really share life with one another. And so last week we talked about these different contexts in which uh, belonging happens, these different contexts in which we have an opportunity to be discipled by God. And so I want to go through these again really quickly because I think it gives us a good framework for what it means to belong in a small group, in a life group. And so we have the larger public context. That's this gathering here. It's, it's gatherings of, of hundreds of people. And so you have a couple hundred people that gather together. And this is a context that is really good for receiving inspiration. It's a good uh, context for creating momentum and movement. It's a great place for preaching, uh, but like we talked about, not everything can happen in this context. There's, there's not a close intimacy, a close relationship that can form in this kind of context. It's good for our, our gatherings as a large group, but it doesn't catch everything that we need as followers of Jesus. There's a second layer that's called the social context, and, and these are 20 to 70 people that gather together. And this is where you, you start to build affinity for one another. You, you figure out who you like and who you want to spend more time with and go into a deeper relationship with, which leads us into this third context that we're focusing on today is the, the personal context. And this one is a context of, of four to 12 people where people begin to feel safe to share with one another. They, they come together and they, they, can, they can share private information because, because there's a closer relationship with each other. They're forming these, close, these closer relationships. 
And then we have a context that's more transparent. These are groups of two to four people where you can really have openness and candor and get to know one another. There's nothing that's held back. And then our final context is the divine context. This is us and God, our relationship with God. And each one of these contexts feed the other context. So my relationship with God one-on-one is going to overflow into my other relationships, into the other contexts. And so what's happening in your personal life with God, what's happening in, with your life group, all of that is going to come in and feed what's happening in the public context. And what happens in this public context can go on and feed the conversations and the relationships that you have within your life group and can feed the relationship that you're having directly with God. And so each one of them feed up and down from the other. And so we're going to focus in on this personal context because we believe here that, that life groups, this personal context, is, is critical for us having a sense of belonging as a church and also growth as a disciple. That, that to be able to grow into Christ-likeness, we need these personal relationships with one another. It's where we can grow closer to each other and closer to God. And this, this smaller context allows us to get close enough to really see one another, to get to know one another, warts and all. It's in, it's in a life group situation that you get to know people closer. As we look at this uh, idea of a personal context, it really brings to mind the, the concept of fellowship. Fellowship is, is this type of interaction that we see in Acts chapter 2, where the church comes together and, and they exchange in, in certain behavior, behaviors. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. It's one that we, we read often as we talk about what the purpose of the church is, why we gather together, who we are. So Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. And so we get this little snapshot into what church life was like at the very beginning. As these as these new believers began to gather together and form this community around their belief in Jesus, we, we see here how they operated. And the first few words here are critical. The, the first words here are, are they devoted themselves. There was a devotion to these things. It, it, it wasn't a, a marginal commitment. It wasn't an occasional participation. It wasn't randomly showing up. It was a devotion to these things. They were devoted to it. And so the example that they give us is, is devotion. And there's five things that we can pick out from here. There's, there's a lot that's said here, but five things that they were devoted to. One is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to Bible study. They were devoted to the Bible being their primary guide for life. It wasn't a self-help group. 
It, it, it wasn't a group that was coming and looking at pop psychology. It's a group that comes together and was devoted to the Word of God. And so as we gather, it's important for us to have the Bible as our primary guide. Not culture, not psychology, not the world around us, but we're devoted to the Word of God. And in the context of community, they're devoting themselves to the teaching of God. The second thing they devote themselves to is this idea of fellowship. And fellowship is much deeper than what we start to think of as fellowship as a church. We have a fellowship room where we have potlucks. Fellowship is more than just potlucks. It's, it's more than uh, just going to see a movie together. It's more than just having coffee together. Real fellowship is this personal bond, this relationship that's rooted, and share, rooted in our shared life with Jesus. That, it, that it's, it's rooted in a focus on Christ. So, so we are getting together just for social activities, and there's not a, a Christ-centered focus to it, then it really isn't fellowship. That's just a social gathering. But real fellowship is focused on Christ, and, and it's in this context that, that Jesus invites us to the table for the Lord's Supper in the way that he shared the Lord's Supper around a table with a small group of people over a meal together. And so we see this idea of fellowship. A, a life group is a great context to explore what sharing in the Lord's Supper could really be like if we're in a small group. The third thing they devoted themselves to was prayer. Prayer became this, this fuel house for what they were doing. It was in a prayer meeting that the Spirit of God descended on them. The, the Spirit descends as tongues of fire, and, and they start speaking in tongues, and, and then we get to this experience here of the fellowship of believers. That, that prayer becomes this critical part of what we do as a church family, as individuals, and as life groups. Prayer is powerful, and it was in this group that was praying together that we see incredible works of God happen. But then the fourth thing that we see is they were awestruck by God's power. There is a sense of awe. I think the, the first three really make sense. This idea that the Bible is, is centered, that's something that is very familiar to us. This idea that fellowship is important, that's common in our practices. Prayer is important. But they were awestruck. And this is one where I think often we start to miss. That we start to think about our own efforts and our own power to experience transformation based on our own efforts. And we lose this sense that it is God that is bringing about transformation. And so when you start to see that in the context of relationships where, where you see God transform people over the powers of addiction, where you see God transform marriages, where you see God transform lives and relationships, the people are awestruck by what they see God doing. And so we need to be awestruck by what God is doing. It's a belief in God's power and then a fifth one is meeting one another's needs. And they do this in a pretty drastic way. They're selling their possessions because others have need. Someone in their group had a need. They rallied together to meet that need, 
even to these extreme examples of selling the things that they own. And so Acts 2 gives us this picture into what Christian community can be, what it was and what it can be for us. We talked last week about the public context where we gather together, and many of these characteristics are lived out in our public context. But there's parts of this community that can't fully be realized, cannot be fully experienced until you get into a smaller personal context, into these personal relationships with each other. We have to do something outside of just this gathering if we're really going to experience the transformative power of God. Sunday public gatherings can do a lot, but it's not enough to experience true biblical community. We need more. And so it's important for us to not only commit to being a part of what is happening here at this time, but it's also important for us to commit to being a part of a life group. And we've never said, I have never said that in my four years here this emphatically. We need to be in a life group. It's critical to our growth and development. Sociologists would say that a group needs to be between four and 12 people, sometimes more. And we, many of us have experienced groups that are larger than that, that still have this kind of intimacy. But the bigger that the groups get, the more it becomes a social gathering and people no longer feel safe to share. And so it really needs to be the, these, these smaller groups of people. It's in this small-sized group that, that close friendships can form. It's where people can let down their guard and be real with one another. There are a few things that a personal context does well that we can't do in this context here. One is real closeness. To be close to one another, there has to be a physical closeness to one another and a smaller group of people so we can be honest with one another. And so authentic friendships are formed in a smaller personal context, not in large gatherings like this. God reveals himself in a lot of ways, and one of the ways that he really reveals himself is, is through other people. And we have to be with other people for God to use other people to speak into our lives. And God will use other people to speak truths into our life to address things that are going on in our lives, to encourage us, to lift us up. Closeness in a life group helps draw us closer to Jesus through others. We help each other shift our focus off of ourselves and onto him. As we follow Jesus, we need friends to help us along the way. We need people in these relationships with us to help us. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily. We need to be encouraging one another. As long as it's called today, that so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And I think one of the dangers is when we are in isolation as followers of Jesus, we do not have relationships with others that are, are helping, uh, helping speak into our lives, then there is a risk of us being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because when it's just me, lies can overcome the truth of God. And we need others in our lives helping us with that. So the second thing is we need support. That when something happens in our lives, the closeness of a small group can rally around us to provide the personal support that we need. 
We're able to speak into one another's lives. We're able to pray for one another. We're able to encourage one another. We can enjoy God together. Support can include uh, spiritual needs. It can include physical needs as we, we provide for one another. I've seen groups that will, will take up a collection to help pay rent for somebody or, or provide meals and childcare for somebody who's just had a baby or, or do the tough labor of helping someone move. I've seen small groups rally around a marriage that's in crisis, a person that's in addiction. Groups come together to support one another. But supporting one another means that we have to be willing to ask for support. We have to be present. We have to be close. We have to be invested in what's going on to be able to receive the support. And so we have to be willing to be open to our group about what it is that we need. And so if there is closeness, if there is support, it gets us to the third thing, which is challenge. In the context of a close, supportive relationship, we can start holding one another accountable to things. We can start pushing one another to things. We can start challenging each other. Following Jesus is not always easy. Being what he has called us to be can be uncomfortable. It can be difficult. And sometimes we just need a swift kick in the tail. And that's what life group is really good for. Because we need others pointing out to us, you know, this is not what you've said you wanted for your life. In the context of closeness and support, these difficult conversations can be had. The life group is a place that we can, we can address certain things in our life. It's, it's not the best context for some of these highly sensitive issues. There, there are things that are better suited to the transparent context of, of a couple other people. But there's a lot that's going on in our lives that can be addressed at this level. It may be that there's a topic of, of Bible study that's really challenging us, something that we're really struggling with being obedient in, something that's challenging in our lives is we're, we're not really trusting God the way we need to be trusting God. This context helps us in those things. The life group can help you, you process through the questions, what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? And so if that sounds like the kind of discipleship community that you want to be a part of, then you're going to have to invest something to be a part of that. It's going to take something out of you. There's four things that are going to be required to, to put yourself into position to experience this kind of community. And the first is prayer. You've got to be willing and available to pray for your group and with your group. It means that, that, that you collect prayer requests as a group and you, you are praying for one another throughout the course of the week. It means that we're praying together and praying for one another. And so there needs to be a commitment to prayer. If you're not willing to commit to praying for the people in your group, then you're not going to experience the closeness and support that the group can provide. The second one, just like last week, there needs to be consistency. Consistency in groups is critical. Regularly meeting together. Groups meet every week, and that sounds like a lot. But when you're in the course of a week, a couple hours in one week really is not a lot of time to form a significant relationship with somebody. 
And so if you are inconsistent in your attendance, if you, if you are popping in and out, then you're missing out on the opportunity to develop those close relationships. And in the same way, if a part of the body doesn't come to the larger gathering here, part of the body is missing, the same is even more true in a life group. When you don't show up to your life group meeting, people miss you. Part of the body is missing. The group members need you because the third thing is service. We're not showing up to life group to consume. That's the shallow small group, right? Networking and get some grub. We're coming to serve. We're coming to invest in the lives of others. And so we're coming, showing up, ready to bring something to offer. And that may be a willingness to pray for someone. It may be something like bringing snacks. It may mean something like, like going out of the way to provide for somebody's needs. We're in it together, serving one another. And so come to the group willing to serve. And the fourth is hang out with one another. That even though there's only one weekly meeting on the schedule, relationships of a life group will overflow into other areas of your lives. It will overflow outside of a regular meeting. It could mean going to the isotopes game together. It could be having a game night or some sort of dinner or social. It could be going out with, for coffee with just all the guys or just all the ladies of the group. It, it could be one-on-one -on -one relationships that start to form within that group, uh, smaller accountability groups. There's a lot of different ways that it, the relationships will overflow out of that meeting time. And so are you willing to invest that time? Your life group experience, your experience of biblical community will depend on you being willing to put something into it. That's really true of, of this gathering as well, right? That, that what you put into it is going to, to help determine what your experience is. That if you are coming expecting to encounter God, then you are going to have a different kind of experience than if you're simply showing up to be fed, to, be consume, to, to consume things. And so your life group experience will be dependent on what you're willing to put into it. Will you put prayer into it? Will you put consistency into it? Will you put service into it? Will you put extra time into it? If you're not willing to do those things, then you're going to be disappointed with your group experience. And you're likely not to, to experience the closeness, the support, the challenge that really can occur in these groups. And so life group members have a huge responsibility to what the group experience is like. But really critical to our, our group experience is, the, critical to that experience are the leaders that we have of our groups as well. They've taken on a huge responsibility to help shepherd and care for this group, to help facilitate the group time. And so I want to take a minute, inside of your, inside of your bulletin, there's a, a list of life groups, and I want to take time to introduce you to our group leaders, to show you what groups are available, and then we're going to pray over our group leaders who are leading us out in this charge. So we've got several, um, several groups that meet here in the Northeast Heights. And so as I call your group, if you want to make your way to the stage, 
um, so that we can recognize you and see who you are. And if you're interested in that group, uh, you can connect with them after service and, and, and talk to, to, to one another there. So in the Northeast, we have uh, Matt and Belinda Jones that are leading a group. Uh, they are, their group is meeting at our house, and we do have child care. So if you have children uh, that are a part of that, uh, that would be a good group for you. So Matt and Belinda are leading there. Uh, Mark and Jamie Smith are leading a group that uh, meet at Patty and Ruben's house. Uh, they're doing a sermon-based study this, this week, and they've got a, a pretty mixed intergenerational group of young and old, and, and like they put, super old. And so <laughs> they have these different tiers of old in their group. We won't say which is which. Um, and then we've got uh, Bill and Donna Estes are starting a brand new group, um, and they are uh, going to be meeting, uh, what address is that? Is that, is that your, that's your address, right? So they're going to be meeting at a variety of different locations uh, as well. And so um, they're number three on there. Um, the Burnhams and the Royballs uh, lead a group that rotates around uh, at a, ver- a variety of different homes here in the Northeast. You guys are supposed to be making your way up. So um, they're leaders. They don't follow instructions, right? <laughs> Uh, David and Peggy Lee lead a group that meet at their house. Uh, they also co-lead uh, with Doug and Nancy as well. So they, they, uh, David and Peggy are gone today, but Doug is representing uh, David and Peggy today. Um, and then Mike Jones and Anita Miller are leading a new group that's going to be meeting on Wednesday nights uh, here at the building. Um, and they're, they're going to meet, they're going to they're have as part of their group is going to be a service focus of, of helping with the mill every Wednesday night, uh, meeting with our guests and and trying to build relationships with them, and uh, then they will uh, go from there into their group meeting time. Um, And then another new group opportunity is Wade and Tisha Randall will be starting a new group that's going to meet on Monday evenings, uh, and they will be meeting at their home uh, in the Northeast Heights uh, as well. Um, Over on the west side, we've got a couple different groups. Uh, Lee and Donna O'Rear are are leading a group uh, that is going to be at a variety of locations on the west side. Um, And then uh, Dave and Chris Jenkins and Lee and Tricia Smith are leading a group that uh, meets uh, mostly at the Smith home, but they rotate quite a bit as well to other locations. Um, And uh, Stuart and Desta Love are are leading with them as well, uh, providing, uh, uh, they're, they're looking at the table of Jesus and, and the context over meals uh, that, that happened there. So, uh, so those are our groups. We've got nine different groups, a, a, couple, a couple of new groups, and so the new groups are certainly looking for people to join in their groups. Uh, if, if you are looking for a group, uh, there is a spot on your communication card that you can check that you're interested in finding a group, and then you can have a conversation with any of these people, and they'd love to talk to you more about their group and what's going on. So, um, so I want the group leaders to stand. I guess I won't call you all to the stage since you've formed this. Um, we're going to be, but if you could gather around right here at least, we'll, we'll compromise. We'll compromise so people can see you. And so our, our group leaders provide an incredible, uh, incredible role here at Montgomery as they, they seek to lead these, these smaller personal contexts, uh, trying to lead our life groups. Because our life groups are ultimately about helping us become uh, more like Jesus, 
that we're, we're, we're trying to become like Jesus. We're seeking him. He's at the center of everything. And so, so the leaders are not the focus, even though I have them on stage here today. Uh, but they are working very hard to help all of us focus on Christ through these personal contacts. So I want to say a prayer over them, and then we'll let them uh, quickly get back to their seats because they want to get off of this spot right here. God, we thank you so much for these leaders uh, the ones who have answered the call to, to lead in, in this very challenging role as we think about life groups and, and how important they are to our growth here as, as disciples and as a church. I pray that you will bless them and that you will encourage them, that you will give them strength. I give them great wisdom as they, they seek ways to, to help disciple these groups, to help lead these groups into closer relationship to you. So protect them, encourage them, strengthen them. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you. Let's give them a hand for the work that they're doing. Let's all go ahead and be standing as we uh, wrap up. Um, as, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, if you're visiting with us, uh, you're, you're in the midst of a, a series that is a little different uh, from what we're, we're typically in, we're, we're looking at some more programmatic kinds of things. But really it's about us answering the question, who is Jesus to you? And finding context in which we can grow in our answer of who is Jesus. And so we ask the question every Sunday, what is it that God is saying to you? What is he saying to you? As you read through this description of, of biblical community, what is God saying to you in that? As we think about the importance of life groups and, and what life groups can provide in our growth, what is God saying to you? And then, how are you going to be obedient to that? What actions do you need to take? What are you going to do about it? And so if God is convicting you of something, if he is speaking something to you, then be obedient and respond to that. And you can respond in a variety of ways. You can respond through some time of prayer. You can respond by, by coming forward and praying with, with some of our shepherds. You can respond by, by gathering together with a small group and, and praying with your group. You can get your family together and pray with your family. You can go find one of those group leaders and say, hey, I really want to really be a part of of." of that group. Can we pray about that? And so you can respond in a variety of ways. If you have not publicly made a confession through baptism of, of your belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, if you have not answered that question yet, then we want to answer that question together this morning. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for for all that you give us. We thank you for the opportunity to be in relationships with one another. We, we thank you for, for speaking to us through others. Help us to continue to, to grow closer to you. Help us to continue to mature in our answer of, what, of, of who we say Jesus is. That, that our belief in Jesus as your son, as, as our savior, that, that that belief will deepen within us and continue to transform us. I bless this prayer time together now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.